are so good to have you here with us. Stand with us today, please, as we praise and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords.
this morning? Would you turn to your neighbor and just say hello today? We are glad to have you here. Just shake your hand. Say hello as we continue.
pray with me this morning. God, thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for the sun that is shining in this glorious day that we have to praise you and honor and adore you for you are alive. You rose from the dead. You're alive. You're risen. And we are excited to proclaim that today, Lord. As we continue, Lord, we want to say what we say. We want to believe what we believe, Lord God. And the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, your worthiness is worthy to be praised. Amen.
Thank you. You can be seated, please. Welcome to Crossroads. Welcome to Easter at Crossroads. Aren't you glad to be here this morning? Let's give our God a hand, man. What a great day. What a great day. We're thankful for uh, all that's going on. Today over in our gymnasium, we have a worship cafe set up. What that means is uh, that there's a little bit of overflow into the gymnasium. Uh, first service, we definitely had to use it, and I believe there's a few people over there today. The service is simulcasted live over to the gymnasium. So can we uh, welcome those folks in the gymnasium as well this morning? Let's give, give them a hand. Thank you. We, uh, we're glad that you're here today, and it's been, been a great week. I want to, first of all, just by way of announcement, say thank you to all that were uh, part of the Journey to the Cross. On Thursday and Good Friday, we had just two exciting nights here of, of the uh, Journey to the Cross. It was a reenactment of the last week of Jesus, and uh, I know there were 50, 60 people involved in that play, so I just want to thank all those that helped with that and made that a reality. A lot of hard work went into that. Let's give all those folks a hand as well. We thank you. And then the week before, we had our egg hunt outside. We had more than 1,000 people out there. It was just uh, our helicopter egg drop. If you haven't seen the video, go check out our website, and you'll see the helicopter egg drop. It was a fun, fun day, and uh, you get to see a little bit of that. And uh, I'm just thankful for all. It's been a great uh, 10 days here. I'll tell you what. It's been busy, 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 but a lot of people are connecting to God. Our mission here is to bring people into a loving relationship, into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you. I want to thank you for being a part of that. God is moving in your lives. He's bringing you one step closer to him each time that yeah, you, you get to know him. And uh, let's just give our God a hand again. We love our God and we're thanking him for what he's doing here at the church. If you're our guest today, would you please, uh, please stop by our welcome center. We have a gift for you. We'd just like to say thank you for being here today. And at this time, I'd like to ask our ushers to come forward as we receive our morning offering. If you are a guest here today, I'd like to invite you to let this offering plate pass you by. This is for those that are regular, growing in the grace of giving this morning. And uh, just, I'm so excited, as you can tell, right? It's a fun day here at Crossroads. Easter's been, been an exciting season. We're looking forward to what God's going to be doing here in the days to come. And it's just a, just a wonderful, wonderful Easter. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we come before you and we thank you for all that you're doing here. God, we thank you that you've given us a church that is uh, so committed to the mission. Committed to the mission of Jesus, to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And Lord, now I come before you and I ask you that, uh, that you will take... Take uh, each person, Lord, and take us closer to you. Bring us one step closer as we celebrate this morning the risen Lord. As we celebrate Easter together, I just ask that uh, you'll be honored and adored in this place. God, as we give to you now, uh, it's with great joy. We say thank you, Lord, for eternal life. We say thank you for rising from the dead. And God, as we give, we give back to you a portion of what you've given to us. In your name, amen. mountain one dreadful morn walked Christ my Savior weary and worn facing for sinners 
death on a cross that he might save them from endless loss. Blessed Redeemer, precious Redeemer, seems now I see him on Calvary's tree, wounded and bleeding for sinners
This morning, as we celebrate Easter, I want, to, uh, I want to encourage you to consider Jesus. You know, Easter is all about Jesus. That's why we're here. That's why we gather every week, because it's all about Jesus. Our church is all about Jesus. And uh, I, our goal is that whenever you come in here, that you are connected to Jesus, that you walk out of here one step closer to Jesus, you, you get a connection to God. Uh, not that you'll just learn some information about God, but that you will actually connect with Him. And that's our prayer for you each and every week when you come here. So as, as, we, as we have this Easter celebration, I'm reminded that Easter is a, a big family time. It really is. You, there's a lot of family things that are happening today. Uh, a lot of ham will be eaten out there, right? And uh, a lot of fun things will be happening. Lots of chocolate. You know, we have a, a lady in the church, she has a chocolate uh, factory down the road here. She owns a pink house. And uh, Debbie, and I said, are you glad Easter's done? Because she just works so hard with all the Easter candy, you know? She's like, oh yes, I'm glad we can take a breath. And, uh, but I, I want to encourage you to, to take this whole deal way more than a family event. Let's today take and consider Jesus. That, that's, my, that's my thought for you this morning, is to consider Jesus. You know, our world has, uh, has a lot of issues out there, and if you talk to people, they will, uh, they will tell you that no doubt Jesus lived. You'll hear them tell you about great miracles that Jesus did. But one of the issues that people have with Jesus was he made statements that were really radical. And one of the radical statements he said, he said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the only way to get to God. There's no other way. And all the religions of the world out there today are telling you how that you can get to God, how you can be self-help, self-improvement, what you can do that will make God more happy with you. But Jesus himself said, look, all that is nice. That's fun to go self-help and to make yourself improve yourself. He said, but the best thing in the world, the only way you're going to get to God is through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no man or woman, nobody gets to God except through Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I want to encourage you that, uh, that Jesus made those statements and that Easter validates those statements. It really does. Everything about Easter, uh, Easter is why we are gathered here today. Uh, not just this day, but every Sunday, every time our doors are open. It's because of what Jesus did. And so this morning, as we consider Jesus, there's a, a few aspects of, his, of Jesus that I want you to consider. First of all, will you consider the ministry of Jesus? Jesus came, he, was, he lived a perfect life. Uh, he was born of a virgin birth. If we go to uh, John, he was an eyewitness to the life of Jesus. And in John's account, John gives us eyewitness account. In John chapter 1, he says that, uh, that this man, Jesus, came from God. That God made his, uh, made his dwelling among man. So Jesus leaves heaven and comes to earth and makes his dwelling. And so he who knew no sin takes on the form of a man and lives this perfect life. And he walks and roams about this earth for 33 years. And for the first 30 years, we don't have much of the, of the account of Jesus, what happened in his life. We, we see his birth in great detail. Then we see a snapshot around his 12 years old. And then the next thing we see that most of the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which, by the way, all four of those are compiled of eyewitness accounts. Matthew was a follower of Jesus, and he wrote, he'd just come along, and he wrote down the eyewitness account of Jesus according to his, what he saw. Uh, Mark, Mark uh, compiled evidence. He, he took a lot of the evidences from other eyewitnesses, and he compiled it together. Luke, Luke was a doctor. 
Thank God for doctors, man. They're so thorough, so brilliant. Um, Luke took a very thorough look at it. And at the beginning of the book of Luke, he says that he write, he's writing to you an account based on all the eyewitness accounts. And he is convinced that this man, Jesus, is sent from God, that he is God. And he is convinced of this. And he tells you the story through the eyewitness accounts. And then we come to John. John said, and John, he was an eyewitness account. And so John, we, we, we read a lot about John. We're going to read a little bit more in John this morning. But I want you to think about the eyewitness accounts of, of these men as they told us about the ministry. Uh, Mark tells us about the ministry of Jesus. He says, when the teachers of the law, this is Mark chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. He says, when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees, they saw him, they saw Jesus, eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? We have a tax collector in our church. And I tell you, every time I read this verse, he says, do you have to read that verse? <laughs> he says, every time you read that, I want to crawl under the, under the chair, you know? He said, they, people don't like to have a meeting with me. I said, but it's not because of the way we look at tax collectors today. Uh, back in the biblical time, a tax collector was a thief. Uh, these guys would be stealing and just raising what you owed and bribery, all kind of craziness. And so Jesus was known for hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. And I want to know, I want, you share, I want to share this with you because Jesus came for people that needed him. He came for people that were sinners. Uh, you know, the, the religion, the religious people rejected so many people. There were so many people that weren't good enough for the religious folk. And every, nobody could live up to their standard. And I tell you today, if, I, if those people were here, I wouldn't live up to their standard. I have been religion rejected. I don't know about you. I've been rejected by religion many times. And that is why I'm so thankful for what we're trying to do here. We are trying to help you find a relationship with Jesus, not a religion. See, because religion just says, do better, change, be, be good. And that's not the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus was what he, how he replied here. Look how he replies. Verse 17. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. He didn't come for people who thought they were good. He came for the people who would just admit, Man, I am messed up. I've got a mess going on in my life. And, and this is what we're to do. We're to come before God and offer our mess to him. And he says, those are the people I hang out with. Jesus was never caught hanging out with the religious leaders. He had a, a band of 12 disciples that followed him everywhere he went. And, uh, and, and everywhere they went, they were downcasted, man. They, they were looked down upon because he didn't meet the religious right. He wasn't a part of the religious uh, uh, law of the day. He didn't meet their standards. And, and as a matter of fact, the religious people would never hang out with the people that Jesus hung out with. He hung out with people that were messy. And that helps me because I look at my life and I look at the lives of the people that we, that we are working with. I don't see too many lives that have got it figured out. We have mess everywhere. Jesus transforms lives. And, and that's what I love about it. I, I love that God looks at, at you and your mess and he says, I love you right where you are. You don't have to change for me to love you. Now, isn't that awesome? You don't have to change. You aren't going to earn God's love by changing your behavior. Thank you, Lord. Because I just can't keep changing. Now, God can help change us, but that's not what... That, he, your, his love is not based upon your behavior. 
And so that's, that's what this is all about. I want you to consider the ministry of Jesus this morning, how he changes lives. I get to be in a fun position here at the church to hear the stories. And I hear them all the time. It, there's not a week go by I don't hear somebody has connected to Jesus in a new way. Somebody's life has been transformed. They have a new lease on life. And so this morning, I'm going to bring up one of our, one of our uh, young men of the church here, Shane Duda. I'm going to ask him to come up here. Shane actually got to play the part of Jesus in our, in our journey to the cross on Thursday and Good Friday. So uh, let's welcome Shane up to the stage this morning, all right? Shane, uh, I remember when Shane first started coming here, and, um, and, and so I'm going to let him tell his story but I remember him coming, sitting back. He always liked to go on the left side over there, right? That's his, his area. And, you know, we're kind of creatures of habit. We do that, right? So, but Shane, why don't you tell them a little bit about, you know, how old you are, where you grew up, and uh, just a little bit of your background here this morning and a little bit of your life before you came to God. Well, yeah, I got it. I got it this time. Uh, uh, I'm 27. Uh, 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 whew, long hell. Yeah, well, I live in Monongahela. I was born in Virginia. Uh, some people know that because I don't like any of the sports teams here. So, uh, and uh, but On me, me and my brothers and my mom and dad moved up here when I was seven. So I've lived here most of the time. And uh, uh, you know, grew up actually. Me and my three brothers, without my mom and dad being together, they were uh, separated before I even really uh, could remember them being together at all. And uh, you know, that was tough, and just going between them, and then there's foster home for a while, and then from my dad, uh, and then to my mom, and then so on, such things like that. Now, earlier you were explaining to me about your dad. Uh, you lost your dad. At a, how old were you when you lost your dad? And tell us a little bit what impact that had on your life. Well, my, uh, we moved up here, and then after everything, I started living with my mom when I was uh, in middle school. And uh, my dad actually, uh, he passed away when I was in uh, high school in ninth grade when I was 14. And uh, it was real tough because my dad was who uh, my first memories are with. I was with him when uh, we were up here and they would get separated. And it was just my brothers and him. And then that's and my first memories of things of life and everything are with him. And he was who I was closest with. And... Uh, will always be and I just uh you know it, it was the toughest I mean really no matter what there's other things in life that have happened still and nothing will really be tougher than losing him yeah so so why don't you share with uh share with the church this morning your life uh just kind of describe in some general terms like your life what was uh what described your life before you became a follower of Jesus well uh like I said, I uh, grew up here, so I went to Ringgold, and uh, I just, my family didn't go to church or anything. Uh, I never knew, I'd never been in the church ever like, growing up. Uh, it was foreign to me, uh, and I just lived my life what I thought was normal, what uh, everyone did in high school growing up, just, uh, you know, partying, drinking, trying to get girls, and uh, also just... Uh, me and my group of friends, I know my brother and some, just uh, we hung around bad people and just uh, get into fights and stuff. And just That was what we actually liked to do. 
okay? So they like to fight, guys, all right? Um, uh, I think I'll move it. No, I'm just kidding, all right? But uh, so I, I want you to share with us a little bit now. So what would you say, what were some of the key words that would describe your life? Uh, did you have direction? What was going on there? Well, uh, I mean, at that time, it didn't feel like it, but all that stuff just, you know, lost and empty. It just, it felt like just going, that's what I did. Just went through the motions doing that, and I was happy doing that, but at the same time, it was, you know, nothingness. Okay. And then, then one day, I remember you walking into the church, and we're like, hey, you know, there's a young guy here, and we're just kind of connecting with him. And, and uh, tell us, what, were the, what, what happened that caused you to walk in the door? I mean, why would you even come to church? You hadn't been to church most of your life. Then all of a sudden, you come walking in the door. What, why'd you come? Well, eventually, just uh, getting, doing stuff like getting in trouble and scuffle with people uh, one day, it... Uh, one incident in particular really became more than just a fight, more than just something that happened we walked away from. And uh, I got in a lot of trouble because of it, and it just, uh, the world kind of just came to a halt. It was something that uh, not, not a lot of people experienced for good reason, and uh, I don't want to glorify it, but it was just a time when I was alone, lost and uh felt like everything was over really so you were uh you were in a, a period of darkness you said earlier in the first service that like it was just a really dark time of your life right and uh that was when and i tell people i started seeking but it's when jesus found me there uh in a place where i felt so lost i just needed to search for something and uh that's where it started that ended, and uh, I started coming to church and trying to learn, follow, do what I could. So, so then you started coming, and, and then I know that you've had an encounter with God, uh, with Jesus, the risen Lord. So why don't you share a little bit about how that happened? How long did it take? I mean, did it happen the first week you walked in the door? What, what happened? How did this work? So when I, I just started coming, and when I came, it was off and on, and it was... You know, I loved everyone here, loved you, and it's still everything. It, it just, uh, I remember one time, it was probably at least a year after I was coming, maybe even longer. Uh, it was around Easter, even maybe during a service or a event or something. You were up here, and you just do what you do. And uh, what, I, what I tell you, I love, it just ask people, just ask people to, uh, if there were a moment to accept him into your life, and I just I remember I prayed that day that uh, and that 's when I knew you know I came and I believed, but you you sent out the invitation, I prayed to be saved, and I remember being there out there and just praying and knowing that I was saved so you were just sitting in church one day, and the gospel was explained, and you humbled yourself before an Almighty God and trusted him that 's right. Just that, I mean, that's all it was. I just gave myself to him. That's awesome. Let's give God a hand. Isn't that awesome, man, what God has done here? And so what is, how would you describe your life since that time? Well, you said first service, like, uh, you know, it's just not, no one's perfect. I'm still working on a bunch of things, but 
all the stuff before uh, that you know feel empty is because it is empty and that that's all nothingness or things we do but if, you know full have fulfillment knowing that their purpose and it just uh, continues to change me and uh, I try every day just well not not through me through him because I know I definitely couldn't do it amen. let's give God a hand amen we thank you appreciate it I, uh, I, want, I want to encourage you to, uh, when you see folks like that, to encourage them. When people stand up here, number one, are able to share their testimony. That's really hard to do, to stand up in public and do it live. I mean, I can get a video a lot easier, but he did that live. And, uh, and also to know that he, he's still growing in Christ. Uh, he's not perfect. We're, there's no perfect Christians. If you're looking for them, you're not going to find them. There's no perfect Christians. But we're forgiven. So can we have a hand for being forgiven by our God, right? Our God forgives us. Not only do I want you to consider the ministry of Jesus, I want you to consider the sacrifice of Jesus. Um, Jesus, he came, he lived the perfect life. He, he had an incredible ministry. He turned water into wine. Um, he, he fed the 5,000. Uh, he took a few loaves and a few fish, and he fed 5,000-plus people. I mean, everywhere he went, there was energy. There was excitement. There was a crowd all over the place. Uh, during his three-year ministry, we have some great record of, of what, what happened there. And I want to encourage you this morning to understand that, that Jesus didn't come to turn water into wine. He didn't come to, to uh, multiply loaves and fishes. He came to sacrifice for you. The whole mission of Jesus was to come and to have Good Friday. When we celebrate on Good Friday the cross of Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross and he paid for your sin, that is what Easter is all about. It's all about Jesus, his mission. Jesus came and that was his mission. He had a date with the cross. And when he was on the cross, now consider the, the awesome love of our God. He says, Father, forgive them for they don't even know what they're doing. He's on the cross, the very people that are crucifying him, and he has compassion for the people that are killing him. And he, says, he cries out to the Lord, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Next Sunday, we're going we're gonna to start a new series. We're going to talk about how to love like Jesus. Only Jesus could love like that. And the same power that, is, that was in Jesus, he's given to you to live that life. So I want to encourage you. We're going to continue. We're going to look at some areas of love, how, the, how the, that love can transform your life, how to love like Jesus, how to love your family like Jesus, how to, how to, how to love your, the people you work with, all, all those areas. But Jesus himself on the cross, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And then the very last word in John chapter 19. The very last word that Jesus says on the cross is this. He says, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. And, and what is finished? Was it just merely his life, his ministry was finished? It wasn't just merely a life and ministry that was finished. What was finished was your debt of sin has been paid. That's what was finished. There's a Greek word. It's called, it says it's tetelestai. When Jesus cried that out, he cried this word out, tetelestai. It was a word that was used on documentation. Like if you paid off your mortgage and it says paid in full, they put that stamp on there. That's the same idea. 
You know, I'm longing to see my mortgage with paid in full on it, aren't you? I, ten more years, ten more years, you know? And it's like, wow, to die, paid in full. That's what happened when Jesus said that on the cross. He looked at every debt you owe of sin, and every one of us have it. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every human being, you have it, I have it, there's none that are exempt. We have the sin issue to deal with, and Jesus who knew no sin, is on the cross, takes on your sin. And Jesus cries out that day and says, To tell us thy paid in full, it is done. And that, with that, he hangs his head and gives up his spirit. And our Savior died on that cross. Consider the sacrifice. Consider the sacrifice of Jesus this morning. But I want to let you know that it didn't end there. That's why we've come to celebrate this morning. But there was a, a moment of despair for all the disciples. These disciples had been following Christ for three years. Uh, they've had a public ministry. They were there when he did all these great miracles. They, they were servants. They were helpers. And, and then they were there on Palm Sunday when the, when the crowd was roaring, when three million people were roaring and, and praising out and shouting, Hosanna, save us. And, and they thought, this is it. Our moment has come. And a few days later, the cross happens. And Jesus dies a brutal, brutal death on a Roman cross. As Jesus died, the disciples went in hiding. The disciples weren't expecting him to come back to life. On Saturday, Saturday, Good Friday, on Saturday, there were zero followers of Jesus Christ. Not one of them were waiting by the tomb for Jesus to rise. You know, if, it had a twi if Jesus had a Twitter account, it'd be unfollow, 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 unfollow. I don't want anybody to think I was associated with him because if they, if they killed him, they'll probably come after me. There was no hope on Saturday. There was no hope on Friday as, they, as the disciples went back. But this morning, I want you to not only consider the sacrifice, I want you to consider the resurrection. John chapter 20, verse 1 uh, Mary Magdalene, it says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the tomb, uh, saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Mary Magdalene was a life that had been changed by Jesus. You want to talk about a mess? You want to talk about a ministry? Jesus came and this lady had seven demons and he cast them all out. He cast out seven demons to this lady. It was a total mess. I mean, you think you've got a mess. Your mess doesn't even come close to Mary Magdalene. And Mary Magdalene was transformed by Jesus, and Jesus gave her hope. He gave her a future. He gave her a reason to live. She comes down on, on Easter morning, on Sunday morning, and, and uh, from the other accounts that we have from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we see that these women were coming down. They had spices with them. They were like, like, like more embalming, if you will, to treat the body. Nicodemus and uh, Joseph of Arimathea had taken the body of Jesus off the cross after he died. They got permission from Pilate. Most, most bodies of a crucified person were just taken in a wagon and dropped off at the dump. Jesus, these people came and said, at least give us a respectful burial. 
And so Jesus goes into the tomb. They take him into the tomb. Nicodemus had wrapped his body well. Um, Jesus, you know, I hear people try to discredit the resurrection. They say, well, you know, he really was, uh, they call it the swoon theory, where Jesus was down in the, in the grave and, and the cool of the evening, and Jesus got up and he rose because of the cool of, of the evening. He was really never dead. And may I share this with you? The eyewitness account says that Jesus was beaten beyond recognition. You don't just get beat and die, and they, they confirmed he was dead. But you don't just get beaten like that and all of a sudden get up in the cool of the evening. He was wrapped. That body was wrapped. If he was alive, that would have suffocated him. He was dead before he ever came off the cross, and he did it for you. And when Mary Magdalene was coming down that morning, she's coming in there, and she wants to continue to do the treatment of the body, and she's expecting there to be a body in the tomb. She's thinking, how am I going to get the stone moved? How is this going to happen? What are we going to do? Verse 2, so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved. John writes himself into the story like that. John's telling you, hey, I was there. Um, that's his way of, without coming out and saying, it's me. He's saying, the one that Jesus loved. Uh, and and uh, the one that Jesus loved and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. Mary Magdalene didn't come to the disciples and say, hey... Guess what? Jesus fulfilled that statement about the temple when he said that the temple would you know, destroy the temple and rise it again. He, she didn't do that. She came and said, somebody stole his body. There's grave robbers. Grave robbers typically steal things out of the, you know, things that we bury people with. Th these people, they were stealing the whole body. Why? And so there's all this confusion, all this, all this uh, angst. So Peter and the other disciple, verse 3, so Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running. Now I want you to catch the picture. Here, here goes Peter and John. They take off. And here's Mary Magdalene. She's running to keep up with them. Um, so Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen laying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of lying, all the strips of linen lying there. But you notice, both of them, they said they saw. They saw. They're investigating. Verse 7, as well as the burial cloth that had been around the, around the head of Jesus. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, finally John, also went inside. And he saw and believed and you know for years I read that and said well isn't awesome they believe that Jesus rose from the dead but if you look at the next verse it says that they still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead then the disciples went back to their homes Peter and John Mary Magdalene says the body's been taken. You know what they believed? They believed Mary, that the, Mar that the body had been taken. They finally were, oh man, we saw the empty grave. But they were not immediately going to the, to the resurrection. They were, they were immediately going, somebody has stolen the body of our Lord. Uh, so Mary Magdalene is still there. Had they, believed, don't, uh, had they believed that he was alive, don't you think they would have said, Mary, he's alive at this point. They're saying, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. Verse 11, Mary's still standing outside the tomb crying. 
And she wept and she bent over to look in the tomb. Now, if you look further on in this passage, you'll find out that Jesus makes an appearance to the disciples. And whenever they, see, whenever they saw him, they believed. But at that first initial moment, they're looking, for a, they're looking for a grieving process. They are hopeless. Why? Because people don't normally come back to life. I've buried several family members. And I tell you, not one of them has ever come back to life. And if they did, we would be all over the news, wouldn't we? Finleyville man comes back to life. It would be incredible. But it doesn't happen. And so Jesus comes back to life, and, 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 and he makes his appearance to them. Look, what ha- look, ha- look at his appearance to Mary. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she, went back, she bent over to the tomb to look into the tomb and saw the two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been. And at the head... And at that, one at the head and one at the, fo- at the other at the foot. And, and, they, and, and then they continue on and they ask her this question. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? Verse 13. They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. They've taken him and I don't know where they put him. She, there's still confusion. And look at this. This is pretty cool. Verse 14. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't realize that it was Jesus. Now, if Mary Magdalene, if this event were happening in our day, Mary Magdalene would probably be on CNN, Fox, CBS News, right? They'd be interviewing her. Now, tell us more about how you saw the master. And she just could see her retelling the story. And there I was. And I'm looking into the tomb, and I turned around, and I thought he was the gardener. And she starts laughing. I mean, just imagine her 10 years afterwards. I thought he was the gardener. What's wrong with me, you know? Um, And she says, but Mary's out there. They have taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they have taken him. At this, she turned around and saw the Lord Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking that he was the gardener. She said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him. I will go get him. And then Jesus calls her by name. Jesus says, Mary. Mary. Jesus knew her name. She recognized his voice. And I want you to know this morning, Jesus knows your name. You're not just a number to him. You're not just number, number, whatever number out of how many billions of people. He knows your name. He knows everything about you. And he loves you. He loves you in your mess right where you're at. And that's why he came, was to set you free. He says, Mary. Mary. And she turned toward him and she cried out loud in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Or in other words, rabbi. She says, Rabbi. And she, she, she recognizes him. And Jesus responds, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them that I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that she had said these things to her. She told him that he said these things. She comes back, and this is her testimony. She's an eyewitness. She says, I have seen the Lord. He's alive. I have seen him. And so 
From there, Jesus comes now and he makes his appearance to all these, all the disciples, to more than 500 eyewitnesses. We have eyewitnesses account of the life of Jesus, of him coming back to life. You know, if you saw, if, if we could just go out and tell the world that I'm a follower of a guy who came back to life. That's what the disciples did. The early disciples are like, hey, listen, we are followers of Jesus of Nazareth. You remember? You remember during Passover? He was on the cross. They, they killed him like any other criminal. But on Sunday, he came back. Uh, we, we saw him. Mary started with it. We have so many evidences of the resurrection. It's incredible. You are putting your faith in a God who actually did something. This is not some story. Listen, if it were a made-up story, do you understand? Uh, number one, they would, not have want, they would not have included an eyewitness of a woman at first. In first century court of law, a woman's testimony was not evidence. That's just the way it was. They would not let a woman give, give testimony. If you showed up and said, here's my eyewitness, and it was a woman, they would laugh you out, and they would deny it and say it's inadmissible. Why do we have the, uh, the, the account of a woman? And, and all the accounts come back to the woman, the women first see Jesus. Because that's the way that it happened. We have eyewitness accounts. Matthew, John, these guys are giving us eyewitness accounts. This, they're telling us, listen, this is what happened. And so we have a credible, credible record. Uh, the other thing is, do you, you realize that you would not write, you would write yourself to be a hero? You know, couldn't, if I were going to make up a story about, about our church and try and make a legend, you know, uh, wouldn't I not say, you know what? Uh, you know, I thought of this great idea, and I went and I did this, you know. Uh, you, you, could, you could see John writing himself into the story. And so there I was. I woke up on Easter morning, and we had the video camera rolling. And we knew that Jesus would come. We just didn't know how, but so we were waiting. No. They wrote in the truth. They wrote in the truth, and all the documents come together. The eyewitness documentation comes together that these men were afraid, they were in hiding, and they had lost hope. But the resurrection of Jesus gives you hope. The resurrection of Jesus changed Mary Magdalene's life. Listen, if Good Friday wouldn't be good at all unless there was an Easter Sunday. Uh, there, if, there were, if there were no Easter, if there were no risen from the dead, we would not be here on this Sunday or any other Sunday. Because when he rose from the dead, he validated everything he said. Jesus validated all of his teachings. So therefore, if the resurrection is true, then everything he said has to be true. And I want you to think about a few of the things that Jesus said that are true. Um, you know what, he, he, taught us, he taught us about, he says, if you'll give your life. He says, if you will give your life for my sake, then you will lose it. And so this is one of the things that, that you can give. It's, for whoever would, say, would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. Uh, do you, do you want to you invest your life? you want to give your life to something? Give it to Christ. Sometimes I look around the church and I see people that are working and they're tired and I, and I feel bad and I'm like, wait a minute. Jesus said, if you give your life for this, you're going to find it. And if Jesus rose from the grave, what he said is true. 
I want to encourage you, young people. There are many young people in here that, uh, that, that you're dealing with, man, I'm going to make some sacrifice for God. You're, you're saying, man, I'm going to make some sacrifice of friends. I'm going to make sacrifice of money, all the, of time, all these things. May I share this with you? There's nothing greater to sacrifice for. You can go sacrifice for your company and make lots of money, and at the end of the day, you'll be left with lots of money. Not a bad deal. But if you come and you sacrifice for God, you may not have any money, but you're going to find your life. I want to encourage you today. Give your life to Jesus. It is worth it. There's there, Every inconvenience, let me share this with you. Life is inconvenience, isn't it? Have you noticed that? Somebody needs help. They never need help whenever you're free. They always need help whenever you're busy. They always need help in the middle of the night. Nobody's car ever breaks down, you know? I always tell, you know, you're, you're attending funerals, you're, you're doing things like that. People never die at a convenient moment, right? You've got to go, you've got to be with people, you've you got to help people. Uh, when you invest your life in somebody else, that's, that's the words of Jesus. And you can give your life knowing that you will find it. He says that you can pray, and when you pray to the Father, that your Father will hear you. He says that if you can pray to the Father, and, and, the Father, and he said this, you can tell that mountain to move from here to there. And he was, he was speaking in, in, um, in word picture and saying, listen, the mountains in your life, you tell God, you come before him in prayer and ask him to move them. That's what you get to do, because Jesus rose from the dead. Had he not risen from the dead, we don't have this. Do you understand? This is why the resurrection is so important. Today, I want you to consider the eternal nature of the message of Jesus Christ. I want you to consider the eternal message of Jesus Christ, because here's what it boils down to. How do I become right with God? You can walk out of here today and say, man, what a great service, the resurrection, Jesus is alive. But I want you to walk out of here like Shane, who investigated like Peter and John, they saw the evidence, but they didn't have it all figured out right away. They saw and they scrutinized it, and finally, they came to believe. And today, I want you to walk out of here, I want to encourage you to walk out of here putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Look at what Romans says here, Romans chapter 3. It says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. No matter what your background, no matter if your dad was there when you were 14 or not. No matter if your life is messy, no matter how big or how great or small the mess is, guess what? God says the only way that you get right with God is by faith in what he did on the cross. This morning I invite you to consider Jesus, to open your heart, and consider him. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to invite you to respond to Jesus. He is alive. This Jesus who was crucified through the brutal Roman crucifixion, on Good Friday, he said, it is finished. He paid for your sin. Three days later, he rises again for you. It was the greatest miracle of all time when Jesus rose from the dead. And what he did was he validated everything he said 
I am the Son of God. I am the Son of Man. I am the Messiah. He who believes will have life. He validated everything. This is why I'm here. This morning, I am humbled by the love that God has for me. And I hope that you are humbled by the love that God has for you. He died for you while you were still in your sin. You didn't have to clean up. He said, I see you where you are. I love you. And I love you in the middle of your mess. And let me be your God. Let me reside in you. And let me give you hope. Let me give you peace. Let me give you what only I can give you. Because this world has nothing that will fulfill compared to what the risen Lord will have. So this morning on Easter 2017, if you're sitting here and you're saying, Pastor Ken, I'm ready to open my heart to Jesus. I am considering Jesus. Maybe this is your first time here, or maybe you've been coming here for years. Regardless, I want to encourage you to open your heart to Jesus Christ. And with our heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to just right now pray along with me in a prayer. Just quietly, inwardly to God, just like Shane did. And it transformed his life. I'd like to invite you to pray this prayer. And it's not the words of the prayer. It's the attitude of your heart. You're reaching out by faith, trusting his sacrifice. Just pray something like this. Dear God, I come before you this morning, Lord. I'm a sinner. And I'm overwhelmed by your grace. If I get what I deserve, Lord, I'd be separated from you forever in a real place called hell. But you died on the cross and you paid for my sin. And you said it was paid in full. And you rose from the grave. And because you rose, I have life. I trust you now, God, and I invite you into my life. God, I don't understand everything, but I ask you to take me on this journey. And for others in this place this morning, maybe you've been following Christ for a long time, but this message can never grow old. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead, that he cared enough to die for you, and that he conquered death, he can help you conquer areas of your life bitterness, unforgiveness, sin areas, things that are just, just really hurting. Listen, only God can do this. And so to this morning, I ask you, will you come home to God? Will you just reconnect and refocus, whether you've been in church all your life or not, refocus on Him and what He's done. Father God, I come before you, and I humbly thank you, God, for dying on that cross to save a sinner like me. And I thank you even more, Lord, for rising again because you've given me hope. I pray for each person in this place, God, would you allow them to give their life to an almighty God and would you help them to understand, Lord, that there's no greater exchange. In your name we pray. Amen. As we sing our last song here today, just praise in Jesus because he's coming again one day.
hearts declare his praise for who can stop the lord almighty our god is the lion the lion of judah he's roaring with power and fighting our battles and every knee will bow before him our god is the lamb the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world his blood breaks the chains and every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb oh every knee will bow before the Chains and every 